session with Dr. Farid Holakou. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest books or topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. One to announce the book of the week Again, for this week, it is The Science of Couples and Family Therapy Behind the Scenes at the Love Lab by John and Julia Schwartz Gottman. Um, It's a new book, and it's looking at some of the research on couples therapy and family therapy and also some new ideas. And it's actually been pretty interesting to read. And as many of you might know, uh, John Gottman is very well known for his work on relationships and marriages and being able to predict what couples will get divorced and which couples will survive and finding what makes a marriage work. And his book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, is a classic when it comes to couples um, therapy and relationships in general. So looking forward to finishing the book and sharing my thoughts on it next week. I want to start off today um, talking about an issue, something that came to my mind after reading the book that I talked about two weeks ago now, I guess, um, or last week I talked about it, Antonio Damasio's book, The Strange Order of Things. And then also I watched a documentary on Netflix. It's a six-part series. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it called Wild Wild Country, looking at um, the development of a, well, some people call it a cult, but other people say following a religious leader and the circumstances that took place in Oregon, which were really quite remarkable. I actually might do a segment on the my thoughts on that documentary itself soon, but I wanted to do a little bit of research more about um, the background of things to see if I have all the facts straight or some of the details right. But I do recommend that documentary called Wild Wild Country. It's really fascinating. Uh, but I, it made me think of something in connecting those two. So in the book, The Strange Order of Things, Antonio Damasio talked about how he sees homeostasis as the basis or one of the foundations of what led to what we have as feelings now, and also even what contributed to culture as a result. Um, And as he described it, homeostasis isn't just about keeping things in a balance and equilibrium. That's usually how people talk about homeostasis, even in the book that I'm reading now, when homeostasis came up, it was talked about as like a thermostat. That's usually the way people talk about it, that it's to keep things within a certain range and keep things equal and okay. But as Antonio Damasio points out, that's one facet of homeostasis. The other one is that it's pushing us towards progress. Because if a organism just stays 
at in balance, it doesn't grow or flourish. And also, if an organism just stays in balance with no growth, it can't withstand something bad happening. If they, there's an injury or sickness, it can't withstand that because everything is at equal balance. The analogy is if you have your bank account and exactly you get to zero every month, that seems okay, but the problem is if something goes wrong, if you have some, let's say, a car accident or illness or something, you won't be able to afford that. So it's not enough just to be at a balance at zero. So he was saying that it's actually pushing us towards going forward, moving forward. And then when I saw this documentary, um, again, I'll talk about it maybe more detail later on, but it was reminding me again of how people can look for easy ways out, shortcuts, or we can idealize someone or something in a way that it gets all the responsibility, can make all the decisions for us, and shows us the easy ways to live life or to have a relationship or to be in shape or whatever it might be. But we seem to be looking for these easy ways out. And so it made me realize the connection there is that we are looking for ways to make it easier to survive. We're always looking for that because if we can find that, that's great. That's going to make it more likely that we can survive and more than just survive, that we can flourish. And of course, that contributes to our reproductive success and whatnot. Again, of course, a lot of this is happening unconsciously or without our awareness, but it makes sense that we look for easy ways out, shortcuts, and look for someone to idealize who can guide us. And if we give them this I, this feeling in our mind that they are perfect and they know everything, well, then they can't say anything wrong. And if we just follow them, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it and we're going to be uh, successful and survive and all of the good things that we're trying to do. But we know that this isn't the case. There isn't any one thing or one person who has all the answers. There aren't shortcuts to things that are real and difficult. They take work. And there isn't anyone who can make all the decisions for us, even though we would like for that to be the case. It would be a lot easier if someone else could just take all of that on for us. Also, because of the unpredictability of life and a lot of the unknowns that we have, the existential questions that we have, it can be nice to have one person, whether you call it God or whether it's someone here on earth, that you can just fully put your trust in and say, because I know them or I have them or I could follow them, everything is going to make sense. Everything is going to be okay. But that's not really how things work. And so this is why I... You see it all the time. People become these gurus. They become these experts and people and or there's cults that get formed because we have this tendency to want to find the easy way out, to get to the result we want without having to put in the hard work because from a survival mentality, that makes sense. If I, I can expend less energy and get the same result, it makes sense that I'll take that route. And really, if we look at evolution, a lot of what it's doing is doing, making those kinds of things possible, finding ways to become more efficient, to do things in a way that takes less work, because that makes it more likely that you will survive. But we have to accept 
some things and we have to make sure that when we're looking for these shortcuts, because absolutely there are ways things can become more efficient. It's not that we have to always make things harder. I know sometimes people say work smarter, not harder, but I think you actually need to work hard and work smart both. Um, so it's not that we shouldn't look for ways to make things more efficient, but we have to make sure that what we're looking for is based in reality, is somehow connected to what actually is going on. So if someone tells you, if you do these three things and they're so easy, any marriage is going to work perfectly and it's so simple, although it sounds nice and there's going to be a part of us that it's going to appeal to, the part that wants things to be easier, sometimes the childish part of us that wants to just believe we can fully put our trust in something bigger than us. But we have to recognize it sounds nice, but it probably is too good to be true. And if we come across someone who says, here's the key to happiness, it's going to be so easy. We should understand that it's probably not going to be an easy path. There is no easy path to life. Life is going to be difficult. Relationships are going to be difficult. Taking care of ourselves takes time. It takes patience. It takes hard work. These things we have to realize none of them are going to be easy. And this is actually why I think it's so irresponsible when people who are gurus or experts or whatever they might be start to get notoriety or well-known and they sell things in a way that is unrealistic but taps into this more base part of ourself that wants to believe things can be easy. So come, you know, follow me and I'll show you the way that makes everything easy in your life. Or I guarantee you that if you do these two things, the guy will come back to you and you will get him back, which I have multiple problems with things like that. But just the false lie, the false hope that they're giving people is very, very unfortunate because to get anything done, it takes hard work. And even if we look at The Secret, which became incredibly popular several years ago and still is, it's uh, definitely still popular. Um, my issue with that was I'm okay with actually, I think visualizing your goals and being aware of what you want is very important and actually helpful in achieving them. But the way it was sold was that that's enough. That if you just visualize what you want and you ask it from, from the universe, well, then you're going to get whatever you want. That's all it takes. Not realizing that the visualization and the planning and the preparing, all that is very important, but then it takes the hard work to get there. There's hard work that you must do in order to then reach those goals. You can want to get a degree and it could be good to close your eyes and imagine what is my graduation day going to be like? Who's going to be in the crowd? What will I even be wearing? What will I be feeling? What will I hear when I, they say my name on the loudspeaker and I hear people cheer? That can be very, very important and actually helpful in motivating you and getting you focused and making you realize how bad you want that goal or that dream, and that's great. But if you don't study hard, and if you don't go to class, and if you don't do the hard work, you're not going to get on that stage to get that degree. The visualization and asking to the universe can be good, but it's not enough. If you don't want to do the hard work, you won't get there. So we have to realize that as much as it would be nice 
to be able to do things in an easy way. It would be nice if there were shortcuts that made things simple and made it so we didn't have to do the hard work. It just doesn't exist. The truth is, if you want to achieve something, it's going to take hard work. And the big things in our life, our relationships, our careers, taking care of our physical health, physical health and mental health, they're going to be difficult. They're going to be challenging and require hard work. So we have to be responsible to ourselves that when we get sold to these kinds of things or when someone offers us these, and there's so many of them because you can make so much money because people want to believe they want to have this false hope. And if you tell them, I know the secrets, no pun intended there because I know that book was called The Secret, but I have the secret, people want to believe there's something there. People want to hope that, you know what, there is someone out there who knows all the answers. And if I just follow them, everything becomes easy. But we have to think rationally about these things and not just let the emotion take over of wanting this to be true and say, okay, it sounds nice. I wish it were true, but I have to understand that that doesn't work. There is no world where someone could make all the decisions for me. Someone could find the shortcuts for me and I don't have to work hard. If I want things to be good in my life, I'm going to have to work hard to achieve them. So the, the tendency to want things to be easy, is understandable. We get it from even a biological perspective, but then, of course, a psychological perspective as well. But we have to realize that these things don't exist. They're not out there. And again, this is why I think it's so irresponsible for people to try to sell these things to people because they're tapping into this part of who they are just to make money. And they can make a lot of money doing it. And you see people doing exactly that, but it's very unethical, immoral, and wrong selling people false hope. You have to have hope in yourself and hope in the hard work that you'll put in to give yourself the life that you want, the relationship you want, all of those things, but realize it'll continue to take hard work. There's no secret that's going to solve all those issues for you. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Studio number 3104410555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello? Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, I, I need a relationship advice. Okay. I, unfortunately, I put myself in a very difficult situation mm -hmm. for some time, um, and I really regret what I did, but uh, it's now becoming very difficult to come out of this situation. So wanted your advice if possible, Dr. Farid. Okay, let's let's hear about what's going on. Tell me about the situation that you're in. Uh, uh, about a year ago, uh, I started a courtship with a man. And uh, at that point of time, I was still inside the marriage. Um, the marriage was very tense and we had problems. And um, I had thought that my husband was thinking of leaving because he mentioned divorce. 
like thousands of times until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I started this courtship with a man. It gradually progressed. Um, I was meeting him, and the courtship continued. Um, after a while, after about six months, my husband found out uh, or was suspecting something was going on, and he immediately asked for a divorce. Uh, it's six months past um, the time that he asked for a divorce, and uh, uh, after six or seven months now, he's back. He's back uh, to me and saying that, uh, you know, we could sort stuff out and we could perhaps uh, move on. But uh, I'm very, I'm so in a difficult situation. What I did was definitely wrong. There is no doubt about it. The thing is, I kind of progressed. uh, I kind of carried on in that relationship with the the second man. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at the moment, I'm really thinking I'm having like two parallel lives. It's very difficult for me to um, end any of these relationships, really. Uh, and I just don't know what to do. I know that I have to be honest and uh, perhaps mention to the second man that, you know, this is my situation and I'm, you know, I can't continue. But so, the thing is, I'm so involved now. Mm-hmm. And his family is now involved. I have been seeing his family uh I have heard from my friends that he was thinking of proposing to me, and it's so advanced now. Yeah. Okay. There's. Yeah. Definitely, it's a mess. I'm glad at some level you acknowledged. You know, you've helped create the situation, and you're saying what you did was wrong. Um, And but (laughs) we have to figure out what to do at this point. Just to get a little background, how old are you, and how long were you married? Uh, I just turned thirty-six. About. Two, two weeks ago, okay. and uh, I'm married for eight years now. Okay. And are there any kids? Uh, no. No kids. Okay. Um, so you started this relationship about a year ago. Yes. And then six months ago, your husband found out and asked to file for divorce. Where Where's the divorce as far as, was it finalized? Finalized, actually, it was very close to being finalized, but uh, my husband just uh, changed his mind. I actually did not expect it. I did not expect to change his mind at all, but uh, finally he did. Okay. Now he's back into my life at the same time that I'm still friends with the second man. And does the second man know about your marriage and what's going on there? He, he has no idea. He doesn't even know that you were married or anything? No, he doesn't know that. And I'm really, um, really ashamed of this situation. But I just can't kind of bring myself to say about this, you know, talk to him about this and stuff. It's just been very, very difficult for me. And this is not my personality. So I just don't know what do you, What do you mean it's not your personality? Uh, you know, I'm just being dishonest really at the moment. Mm-hmm. With, uh, with both of them. It's just absolute dishonesty I'm having now. Well, yeah, and I mean, I don't want to say it is part of your personality, but I think almost any of us can put ourselves in situations, and if we keep going down yeah. a path, we end up somewhere. And that's why it's so important to you know, think about our actions the first step, because 
when we go the first step on the wrong path, then we find ourselves a year down the line somewhere we never thought we would we would be, where we'd expect ourselves to be. And that's why to yeah. me, when I talk about infidelity, uh, again, and that's if two people are committed to be in a faithful relationship and they've made some boundaries of what that means, the first step to me is the unfaithful step, not just having sex, because yes, that might be the end of it, but there are so many things before that, that to me are the original seeds of infidelity that are actually in some ways more significant because when we go down that path, it can be harder to come back. But now you're here now, so you have to decide what to do in this case. The problem might be that based on what you've done, you might've damaged both possibilities to a point where they might not be, they might not work out. Um, in trying to have two relationships or in trying to not be alone, you maybe have created a scenario where that might end up being the um, result. Because it, it's, I think at some point you're going to have to be open and honest, whatever you decide to do. Uh, but it's possible that the other person, whoever you choose, so to speak, might not be okay with the situation. Um, so that 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 so are you living in the home with your husband right now? No, I'm um, living alone at the moment because um, my husband is living um, separately on his own for about seven months now, and mm-hmm. we are not living in the same house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm really thinking very hard these days just to come very honest um, with the second man and saying that I can't continue. Uh, having said having said that, we had problems. Me and my husband had problems long years ago because of his infidelities, really. So that's why mm. um, I'm I'm really confused about what what's the best thing to do. Either ending it with my husband and saying that the divorce go ahead, or ending the stuff with the with the second man and come back to my marriage. Although we have had problems in the marriage, it was very tense for some years. Uh-huh. How uh, old is so your How old is your husband, and how old is this other man? My husband is forty three, mm-hmm. and this man is thirty seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you said your husband, when you talked about the infidelity, this was something that you and him talked about. It became, uh, it was something he acknowledged. It, we talked about it many times. He's basically refusing to, you know, go into details and what he's done and stuff like that. Uh, at one point only, he said that he's sorry for what he did. He was only curious, and uh, he was not. You know, he did not mean to pursue the relationship because at one time I found him uh, on social media talking to his ex-girlfriend. And I, I for, you know, I uh, forgave him for that. A few months later on, uh, I found out that he was in a hotel with someone. I had no idea who was that. Uh, and then a few, year, a few months later, he was on some websites and, uh, you know, texting other women. So that was the start of the very, very hard and long arguments and tensions mm-hmm. and fights and stuff. And um, and after after some point, uh, I just thought I had to leave as well. I had to go out of this marriage. That's why I started this friendship with this man. Uh, sure. I think maybe at that maybe at that point of time, I was 
uh, only thinking of having a backup, something like that. It was very selfish, but uh, hmm. before that time, I was not thinking of leaving the marriage. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, and what yeah. you said, you know, a lot of times there is, people have a fear of being alone and they want to grab yeah. onto the next, um, you know, vine before they yeah. let go of the one before and swing to that one. But we have to accept being yeah. alone in between relationships is something we need to heal yeah. and to move on. And yeah. what you guys also experienced, it seems like you and your husband didn't deal with what was going on and instead just tried yeah. to move forward. You said he said sorry maybe one yeah. time. And that's what a lot, a lot yeah. of couples do. And a lot of couples think that if we, you know, we have this term choose your own battles or this kind of thing that people say and they think it's good to choose your battles. So don't bring up if you're upset all the time or don't bring up things because that just leads to conflict. But actually we find that the marriage research finds exactly the opposite, that the couples that bring things up and talk about them do better. The ones that hold things in and avoid conflict they end up going down a path similar to what you guys went down. Now, I'm not saying it had to end up the way it did, but because you guys weren't dealing with the issue, it seems like what you even felt was maybe that you deserved more outside of the relationship. First of all, he cheated on you, so maybe you felt like, well, if I do it, it's not that bad because he's done it. So in a way, he deserves that. And also this feeling of, look what I have to put up with and deal with, so I should have this right or... I should have this opportunity to pursue something outside to make me happy. And that's what happens when we don't, when we don't address things. So I think, you know, obviously it's in the past and it's easier said than done, but it would have been much better to talk to him about it and say, either we work on this or I have to leave or this relationship doesn't work. But it seems like you stayed in that middle ground and here you are mm -hmm. a year later. Okay. Um, so yeah. what, you know, neither decision is going to be easy. And I do think yeah. without, without coming clean, without sharing what's going on, it won't be right to either one of them. Um, but definitely continuing down this path is not going to work. So already you've shown a tendency to avoid, and maybe your husband also until you together created this type of relationship, but we, we can't avoid it. And you have to realize whatever step you take, it's going to be uncomfortable, painful. Um, it could lead to things becoming worse for you, but you're going to have to take it because the path you're on can't continue. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 just, I really feel that I can't continue what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm thinking of, uh, perhaps, you know, um, come very honest with the second with the other man and saying that I can't continue this relationship anymore but I'm just uh, I'm sure that it will hurt him a lot because um, his family is now involved I have been inside his family especially in this past six months that my husband was in the process of divorce mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, I did not see he changing his mind and coming back so actually I uh, carried on with the relationship with the other man, and, you know, I have been meeting all his family. Uh, he's very involved, and I'm sure that I will cause a lot of hurt to him. And uh, just really, I'm really blaming myself every day for what I did. But I just don't have the courage to uh, come clean and, you know, end it, basically. Because I know that I can't be in a relationship. I can't continue what I'm doing. And... Uh, so your decision is to end things with the 
other man and to go back to your husband. Although uh, you might decide not to go back to him either because the problems in the marriage are still obviously there, but they can maybe be worked on. But so that's, and that's a decision you made. And of course, yeah, it's going to hurt that other man. Of course we know that, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean, but what you're doing is even worse to him, even though he's not going to feel the pain, he doesn't know. So you have Mm -hmm. to be ready. We can't stay with someone because we don't want to hurt them. And, you know, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do that and they, they prolong relationships thinking they're being nicer to the person by staying with them. But if you don't want to be with someone, you you have to end the relationship. You're not doing them a favor Mm -hmm. because they deserve to be with Mm -hmm. someone. You know, this man, he deserves to be with someone who wants to be with him, is fully available and can have Mm -hmm. a relationship with him. So you're not doing him any favors by keeping him occupied but not giving him everything he actually deserves too. So the the conversations you're going to have are going to be very painful, uncomfortable, difficult. Um, You're going to have to face even more, you know, what you've done because it's going to be more out there right now. It's just in your head, but when you talk about it, it becomes even more real. I think it's something you probably don't want to face, but you have to face it. That's the reality that you've created. And, um, you know, it's time to face the music and then see what you can do and it'll be better for you too because what you're living in this double life is just going to drive you crazy and and hurt you more and more so it's really going to be the right thing to do overall but then it's going to be better for you and for him um and you don't just have one decision to make because you might first say okay i just have to choose which guy that's maybe part of it but then even if you choose either one of them working through the issues that are going to then result are going to be important. So if you go back with your husband to just say, okay, let's just continue as if nothing has happened, that's not going to obviously work. Like you said, there's these big Mm -hmm. issues and I don't think you forgave him for the affairs and he didn't want to talk about it. And so that's still there and that's very much going to be there. And like I said, it's maybe even possible you end up with neither one of them. That could possibly be the best decision. I don't know at mm-hmm. this point, but that's something for you to also consider that maybe neither one of them is the right choice right now. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. Yeah, exactly. The, as you said, the problems with the, with my marriage is still are still, uh, persistent. They are still there. But uh, maybe we are not trying to you know jump into the middle of them again, but I'm sure they are still there. Because I think my husband... Uh, had thoughts of leaving way, way before all of this. Really, I don't know why he. he I don't know why he can't leave. I have no idea. What uh, do you mean? Why he can't but, leave? Um, I mean, at this time he had the perfect chance to leave. This time he could leave very easily. That was my. Do you do you want him to leave? I didn't want him to leave, but I also want him to be happy. I know his right. This is his right to be happy. Right. And I, I don't think it means particularly happy. Otherwise, why should have been all right? But you, I'm. I understand. I'm confused though because you're just thinking about why didn't he leave? What do you, I'm not sure what you want. It seems like almost you wanted him to go. Like you feel uh, like it would have made things. Actually, yeah, I wanted to stay with him deep down. I wanted to continue with him. Well, I understand I made a mistake last time, I mean, for, by meeting um, this friend, this man as a friend, and he found out and he 
ask for a divorce, and it, that was a perfect uh, chance for him to leave because he was uh, looking for leaving. And I just don't know why he didn't end it all. He's just back again. I know, but I'm still. I'm not sure if you're hearing yourself. Do you want him to go? No, I don't want him to go. So then, why are you saying I don't know why he didn't leave? Uh, it's just uh, I'm, I'm talking about him. What he wants to do. No, we're not. We're not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about you because I'm. You, okay. you keep saying yeah. I wanted him because I think maybe you're saying if he just left, you wouldn't feel so guilty now because then he came back and created this dilemma, but then you mm-hmm. still chose to to let him back in. So I think, yes, yes, I feel like you're right. saying, you know, you keep saying, because I'm thinking about him, but you're thinking about yourself. You're saying, if he didn't come back, then I wouldn't, then it wouldn't look so bad because, okay, then I could just be with this other guy and it wouldn't, I wouldn't have to face all of this. But now that he's back and also, but you chose to let him back in, you have this situation. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, so I think, right. you know, so you have to make sure you don't lie to yourself and say, it's because I'm thinking of him so much and I care what's happening mm-hmm. to him. It's because you're thinking of what's happening with you. Let's talk a bit more after the break because we got we were at a commercial break, and I want to kind of get into some more things. So let's let's ho- talk after the break, okay? Okay. Thank okay. You. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Caller, are you still there? Hello. 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 Hi. Hi. Okay. So um, we're talking about the situation you are in. And even, you know, for me, it's very important to focus on even the way we talk about these things can be important. If we say like, here's a situation you find yourself in, or here's a situation that's happened to you. That to me is not as much looking at the real situation, which is here's a situation you have created. Because we have to give you the responsibility, not because of blame, but so that you can recognize that it's up to you to then choose what to do and that you are responsible for where it is. Because right before the break, it was interesting for me that you kept saying, I don't know why my husband came back. I don't know why he didn't just go. It was the perfect opportunity to go. And it seems pretty clear that that was because you didn't like that he created this dilemma for you, that you chose to let him back in and now you're in this situation. If he just walked away and never came back, then you wouldn't be in this situation and feel guilty about what's happened. But then that also makes me think, well, then how much do you want this marriage with him if you almost had this wish that he didn't come back? That's that's something mm-hmm. that strikes me. So what do you think about yeah. that? How much do you want this marriage if you actually would have preferred he never came back? Uh, you know, the thing is, with him, I uh, this marriage almost, all of it lacks emotional intimacy for me. I'm very, um, I, I just want a relationship that I can, you know, it's very emotional, very one-to-one. Uh, I'm very, I'm a very sensual person, and he was exactly the opposite of me, exactly the opposite. So even during the marriage, I was thinking, you know, look, there is no uh, real one-to-one conversation like one-to-one breach that you look for in a relationship. 
So it, it was never the kind of relationship I wanted. But I also loved him for other things that he had in his personality. He was very adventurous, very, uh, um, you know, outgoing. And, um, you know, he was, he was actually very fun to be around. But deep, deep down, what I wanted was emotional one-to-one kind of relationship i don't know if i'm clear or not yes Um, well you're in a way you're clear but it's a little bit unclear well there's a few things one is i i know you're saying you really want a close relationship emotionally close relationship but you haven't had it with him and what that tells me is for a lot of us and for a lot of things our wish and our fear are two sides of the same coin so it seems like you wish and you really want a very close relationship but at the, same, at the same time, you might be very afraid of that too. And so mm-hmm. you're in this relationship with this man that you can blame for he's the reason why we're not very close. But maybe at some level, you wanted to not be so close too because it allows you to avoid what you're afraid of, which is the risk of being very close to someone. So um, we have to look at not just him being responsible for the lack of closeness, but also you choosing to be with someone who wasn't mm-hmm. so close. So again, it's not about blame, but putting the responsibility that you have somehow selected and chosen him too. And that's uh, something to be aware of. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, our marriage was kind of a very traditional marriage, unfortunately. Um, um, so it wasn't the case that we, uh, you know, we were dating for such a long time and we chose to get married. It was very fast without... Uh, much consideration beforehand, really. I was young at that point, and maybe I didn't have experience. But this marriage was very traditional, really. Uh, and soon after the marriage, I found out that my husband was living with other people and, you know, um, messaging the previous girlfriends and stuff like that. Um, so very shortly after marriage, it began to fall apart. Okay, but so it seems like, it, it, I still get the feeling like you want him to make the decision for you. Like you want him to leave so you don't have to make that decision. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I'm very afraid of, uh, you know, getting in charge and make a decision. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just worried about, um, you know, hurting him that much or, you know, guilty feelings I will have after that. Yeah. During this, during this past six months or seven months that we were separated, uh, still we are not living together, I was blaming myself and I was feeling guilt, guilty every day. And I just realized that I can't uh, go ahead with this guilt. So when he came back, I was glad for a week or two because I thought, okay, I'm not feeling as guilty as before. He's back now. I have a chance to make stuff right and I, I have a chance to, you know, take things back on track again and, you know, just be completely honest with him. So for a week or two, I was really glad that he was back. But now, now uh, when time moves on and then we pass, I realize, obviously, I'm in a dilemma now because I don't have the power to end the relationship. I have worries to come back to that relationship. And also, on top of all of this mess that I... I Completely agree. I created. Uh, I have a courtship with the other man as well, and he has no idea. So it's it's becoming. I I, I will go crazy. I'm sure. It's 
Yes, but so you know, the part I'm still trying to figure out is what makes you want to go back with your husband. One thing that that comes to my mind is you mentioned all these things about traditional, and you're talking about traditional as if it's not you, but it seems like I feel like the reason why you want to go back with him is because it's he you were married to him, and it's the the right thing to do from like a traditional perspective because i'm still struck by for me it was very important that you emphasized a few times why did he come back rather than oh i'm so happy he's back i love him i want to be with him for the rest of my life it doesn't sound like there was any of that it sounds like oh gosh he's back and now it puts me in a tough choice because my husband is back and i should be with him a very kind of should from this like judgmental side of what's right or wrong culturally and so I should be with him, and now he puts me in the spot where if I choose not to be with him, I'm a bad girl or bad woman or whatever else you have in your mind. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't hear you saying, I was so devastated he was gone when he came back. I'm so happy for this opportunity. It was that, oh, now I have to make this tough choice, which can make me a bad person. It would have been easier if he didn't mm-hmm. come back. And so that's the part where I think you would have you know, you would, it would have been easier for you if he left because you would have been scot-free as far as the guilt that I've done something wrong. But now with him back, he's created the situation where you kind of feel guilty no matter what you decide, it seems like. If you are back with him, you feel guilty towards that other guy. If you decide not to be with your husband, you feel like I'm bad for not being with my husband. That's the person I'm supposed to be with. And so that guilt, I think, is overtaking you too. So I, what you're dealing with is these conflicts with these individuals, but also all these conflicts within yourself, which many people experience mm-hmm. of like, what's right or wrong? Who am I as far as traditional or non-traditional or cultural or whatever it is? And so you're in this situation. But of course, you've also done something where you have created a bad situation. And like I said, no matter what step you take next, it's going to be a painful mm-hmm. one. It's going to be a difficult one. Yeah. So you have to be ready for that, but you have to to face it because it seems like something you've done and something you prefer to do, which many of us do, is to avoid the discomfort, to avoid the conversations you don't want to have, to avoid making decisions that you're afraid of the consequences or afraid of what it might mean about you. Am I a bad person? Am I a Mm -hmm. bad woman? Am I a bad wife? You don't want to have to Mm -hmm. face those things, but that's the reality of the situation you're in. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, you know, when he came back, I was actually very glad that he's back now, to be honest. I'm glad that he's back. But I think my worry is that if I go back with him, we will have the same issues and problems, especially now that his family know about our problems, definitely put all the blame on me. Um, mm. And um, there, are, there are problems within the families as well. Um, because he's done something, unfortunately, I can't discuss in public because uh, it will be very uh, unpleasant. Okay. But there are... Uh, you mean about the affairs or something else? Something. You mean the affairs or something else you haven't mentioned? It's something else I haven't mentioned, Okay. Actually. And if you but feel like you can't say it, that's fine. But I think what you're also afraid of is that you might go back with him and even if you're unhappy and even if you guys don't work on the relationship, that you're going to stay with him again because you feel like you're not powerful enough to make the decision so i think part of your fear if if you're excited again i didn't feel it but let's say it's there i understand you're very angry with him about the affairs and upset about what's going on and you guys have a lot of issues but i think what you're scared of again is that because of being passive if you go back with him and say okay we need to work on these things and either he doesn't work on them or 
they don't get better, that you won't be able to get out, that you'll feel stuck again. Yeah, yeah. We went, for, we went to a couple therapists for, for a number of sessions. And uh, basically, uh, uh, whenever I discuss these things with him or whenever I want some reassurance that, uh, you know, uh, that the sessions have been helpful to him or what, he's, uh, what, what is his understanding about these sessions and the conclusion and stuff, the only thing he says is, is that don't go back to the past. We just have to move on. We can't uh, discuss the past over and over again. And I'm just tired. I just don't want to discuss it. Well, it's, uh, you know, so that's a, th- yeah, we have to, dis- it's not about dwelling in the past, but we do have to, to repair the past. We can't just ignore yeah. infidelity and ignore big issues that are there. That doesn't work. And a lot of people, again, that's an avoidance strategy and it's a way of justifying it by saying, oh, I want to think about the future and, and go forward. But if someone has a broken leg, you can't say, oh, don't worry about your broken leg. Let's just start running today. Well, we have to fix what's happening before. The pain and the damage is still there. We can't avoid that. So it's not about um, dwelling in the past. And yes, yeah, some people will do that. They'll talk about it and they say, I forgive you. And then they keep bringing up the same issue. That's something that's not going to work. But we can't avoid the big issues. And the biggest problem you guys have, and it looks like one of your own personal biggest issues, is avoidance is avoiding things that matter, avoiding uncomfortable conversations and avoiding the hard work and just trying to go forward in a passive way without facing it. But as you saw, it doesn't work. And it created the situation where then you made some other choices that just made it worse. Things get worse. They don't get better when we avoid things. So, you know, I think you are in a tough situation, which I'm glad you acknowledge you've created, but... If you decide whoever to be with, you have to be ready that you have to do the hard work and you have to learn the lessons from what's happened. That if you go back with your husband, you can't accept him not working on things or you can't accept the relationship to continue because you're going to do this again. You're more than likely going to end up in the same situation unless you Mm -hmm. realize that I'm not being nice by avoiding hurting someone in the moment because I'm going to hurt them more later on down the line. I have to be able to let him know that I don't want to be with him. And I think you likely hold on to some traditional values like a woman shouldn't leave the man or a woman should stay with a man and a divorce looks bad on me. Or if he leaves me, then I can say I'm the victim and he left me. But if I choose to leave, then I'm a bad person, which is not the case Mm -hmm. because if you're not happy in a marriage, staying in it is bad. You know, a lot of times we look at people and we say, oh, they've been married. So they're both doing a good job, but if they're miserable, it's not necessarily the right thing, and maybe they're actually doing the wrong thing. So your deci- decision's not going to be an easy one. Either way you go, and there's more than just two choices in my head that you have, um, it's going to be difficult, but you have to take more responsibility and more authority in your own life. If I don't want to be yeah. in this relationship, it's up to me to say something. If I want things to be different, I have to bring it up, and if things don't get different, I have to accept that that might mean... I end the relationship because I really want you to remember the thing to me that stood out the most when he said, why did he come back? He had the perfect chance to leave. And you said it because I care about his feelings, but really it was because it made you have to make a choice and you were terrified of that. And that's the yeah. last thing you yeah. want to do. But the thing is right yeah. now you're forced to make a choice and it's up to you to make the choice. And it's going to be a tough path, whatever you choose. to uh, kind of end the relationship with the other guy, how do you advise um, that I, I complain about this? How 
should I go ahead with that? I just can't bring myself to tell him the truth. Yeah, it's well. I mean, you, I know you're saying you can't, but you might have. You're gonna have to. You, you can, and you could. Obviously, you can say whatever you want. I think just telling him the truth is going to be important. It's going to be hard, but I think you have to really think long and hard about this decision. And I'll be careful when I say that because I want you to think about it, but I also don't want you to say, well, because I have to think this through, I'm going to delay making a decision, which is something that we sometimes do. We'll talk about analysis, mm-hmm. paralysis by analysis. Well, it's very easy to say, okay, well, I don't want to make a decision yet because how do I know if it's right? And then you can find yourself in this position six months down the line still because you don't want to make the decision. So you definitely have to think about it, even if you want to go to maybe one or two sessions of therapy or talk about it with someone just to clarify what you want to do and then go mm-hmm. forward. Because I think some of your decision of staying with your husband isn't because you love him and you want to be with him. It's out of guilt and out of tradition of well marriage is the right thing and because i was married to him i have to make that one work and maybe you do want to make that one work but just make sure it's for the right reasons but just make the decision soon if you're here in a month you're doing something wrong you got to make the choice very soon in the next couple of weeks give yourself like a mm-hmm. deadline it's never going to get easier to have these conversations is never going to be easy it's never going to feel good you're never going to want to have it you're always going to not want to. Everything will always seem better than having these conversations, but you're going to have to do it. So get some clarity with yourself. Make sure it's for the right reasons. And whatever relationship you choose, make sure you give yourself the responsibility to be in a relationship you're happy with. If you're not happy, you have to either work on it or leave the relationship. You can't just say, I'm going to stay in it and hope that they leave me. That's not going to work. Yes, yeah, I think uh, you were so right to say that, you know, um, the reason I want to go back with my husband is that it's the first feelings of guilt that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, because maybe of some traditional ways of thinking that, you know, uh, this is the marriage, I should work on it. Yeah. And I'm sure I have had, uh, you know, I have made mistakes in the past as well. I was very stubborn in this relationship. So well, look, tradition I, has been thrown out the window, right? I mean, the, the, the tradition is, is gone. The life you're in right now is nothing about it is tradition. Although I'm sure people have been doing things like this obviously forever, but I'm just saying it's not about tradition anymore, and it's not about what people think, which you've also brought up. You know, the other guy's family, your husband's family. You have to just make the right choice and know that people are going to be upset with you, no matter what you choose. Mm-hmm. If you try to make everyone happy, which I think you're also trying to do, and make everyone like you, that's not going to work. Some people are not going to like you in this, and you have to be ready for that. Good good luck. It's not going to be easy the path ahead of you, but you have to take those steps and then hopefully end up after some hard periods with something better, but it's going to be tough uh, going forward. Good luck to you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for thank calling. You sure. Thank Have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes, 
Scott. Is this me on the air? Yes, you're on the air. Thanks for calling. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I have a question about my son. He's 18. He will soon be actually three months, three, four months. He will be 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved here like uh, about two years ago. He spent his kindergarten and his uh, middle school here. And... Uh, we came back and forth to Iran, and then finally we came uh, two years ago to settle here. He started his last year of high school, and now he's in college. Okay. So after we came here, he, my son has anxiety. He had anxiety back in Iran, but after we moved here, his anxiety increased a lot because of this change of place, naturally. And... Uh, He's going to therapy, he's taking medication, and the therapist said that he's severe OCD. Mm-hmm. Like it's, his phobia mainly is about health, first thing, and second thing is about being left alone by his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, when, when we came here, I actually just, I, I came, I accompanied him. His father is back in Iran, taking care of uh, pending things. Um, I want to go back to Iran. After. I just don't know, like, shall I leave him? Uh, my son, he's, unfortunately, he's very dependent on me. Most of his life, he's spent time with me rather than his father, because his father was most of the time traveling. So he's so dependent on me. Mm-hmm. Or better said, I made him dependent on me, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. But let me ask you something else. Does he have any uh, siblings? No, no. Okay. It's the only child. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, we could understand the alone feeling and this constant back and forth. I definitely don't uh, recommend that for anyone, back and forth between countries. That's going to create anxiety no matter what. But, you know, that that's a tough situation. Okay. So, go ahead. So, you're saying he's very dependent on you? I mean, uh, traveling back and forth, we were mainly based in Iran. Like, he, he just spent his kindergarten here, then, and sixth grade. I mean... Um, most of his life, he he spent in Iran. Okay, and, but it's still uh, some back and forth. That's a pretty yeah. big deal. And his father, not being always there. Yeah. You know, these are things that aren't. Again, uh, something like OCD. It's not just a genetic thing, but there definitely is a genetic component to it. But there's going to be a lot of the environment that makes a difference too. And this in, unpredictability, change. Uh, almost we can call it some level of chaos is not going to help and can contribute to anxiety and OCD type um, symptoms or you know disorder. But okay, so you want yeah, to go back? Yes, yeah, go ahead. I need to mention here that his father has, uh, I mean, high level of anxiety okay. like for years. Yeah. And like what he's acting now, I just see his father. Mm. I mean, he has learned naturally, like from him, many things. Well, and, yeah, and so uh, it's learned. You're right. There's the there's that part, but then genetic, of course, too. So it's both yes. always play a part. But uh, and again, learn from seeing him, genetic, and then also this back and forth environment, especially with no other siblings, that can sometimes at least buffer a little bit of going through a lot. But he didn't have that either. So we also can understand more him being dependent on you, and also you not always having your husband around means that you're more likely to want to make your son dependent on you too as you yourself mentioned that you've made him dependent. So this is why the family structure is so important that when the family is together and husband and wife have, or the two parents have a strong relationship, this helps actually in giving the kids their space too. But when something is missing, usually people compensate in some ways. A lot of times 
the parent reaches out to the kid to fill in some role of what's missing, and that could be contributing to what you're saying now, where he's very dependent on you. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, right now, he's happy here. Like, I've checked with him, like, many times, and he says he's happy here. I mean, all the ups and downs are past, but still, he has a lot of good group of friends. Um, the thing is that um, I want to go back to Iran. I just don't know what is best for him, like considering his anxiety. And one more thing that I need to add, like that he's so, um, I had a history of um, cancer and he's um, he's so shaky about me, like like whenever I, I mean, he hears me coughing loud, he runs to me, like mm. shaking it and mom, are you okay? And um, so considering all this situation, I just want to do what is best for him, like I want to go back to Iran, but if I know that's going to hurt him or add to his anxiety, I just want to know whether it's better for him to be dependent or independent considering his situation. Well, I mean, I think I wouldn't make it so simple as if you leave, it's him being independent, and if you stay, he's being dependent. Um, But my initial reaction to you going is that that's just going to make him more anxious and make things worse, especially if he doesn't want you to go. Have you asked him what he wants? Well, well, what he says, like, yeah, just leave me alone for two, three weeks. That's what he says. Like, he wants him to have fun with his friends, and that's it. But I'm sure uh, he doesn't want me to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, two, three, but he needs space. Well, that's the thing, and that's what I was going to say. You know, the way you'd kind of simplify it is that if you go, it's him being independent, and if you stay, it's him being dependent. There also is the option of you staying and working towards helping him be more independent here. The problem might also be that you don't have much of a life here if your husband is there and you're saying you want to go back to Iran, and so maybe it's going to be hard for you to create a life for yourself here that then allows the space for your son to have his own life too. No, there's actually not that strong relationship between us. Like, it's kind of a separation, but my son doesn't know that. Because, I mean, it's it's an unwritten, you know, it's an unwritten separation. He doesn't know, like, when we're together, his father travels back and forth here. He spends time with me. He's a good father. He loves his father as well. Okay. Um, so you're saying you and his father, you and his father are not, you guys are separated, you're not married. Oh, we are married on paper. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that itself also uh, creates anxiety for a kid when there's that instability. There isn't that foundation and there's hiding and lying going on too. That's not going to help either. Uh, I mean, I liked him once about my uh, cancer. Um, he was, I mean, I didn't want him to know in the beginning. Um, the uh, and after a while, I wanted to tell him. I didn't like. I was waiting for a good timing to tell him, mm, but I realized that he had he had known all the time, mm. and I lied to him, and I regret that. Um, yeah, because now he's going to be even more anxious that even when you tell him you're okay, and if you are okay, he might not believe it because you've. And that this is the cost of lying. And a lot of parents, they do this. They think, well, I want to protect my kids from the truth because the truth is painful. So let me hide it from them. But they don't realize the bigger cost is that then now, even when things are okay, they can't trust you that things are okay. And that can be very costly. And you said he has a health OCD, maybe even for himself now too. 
Um, but I, I'm sure this hasn't helped. So the, the lying and the, those things obviously are contributing to the, the anxiety as well. Like I said, my initial reaction is you going is not a good solution. He is 18 and I know you said almost 19 and I feel like you almost wanted to emphasize that he's almost 19 to say he's older and he can handle it. And maybe he can. A lot of 18-year-olds, they live on their own, but the way you're describing your son and the situation, I don't get the sense he can handle living completely on his own. Yeah, I mean, so he cannot handle that, just say, put it uh, in that way. But like, what is best for him? Like, shall he, I mean, doesn't he have to start learning to be dependent and to learn that, I mean, he's going to be on his own? Well, yes, but I mean, that doesn't mean you're just leaving is that solution. Like I said, to me, it's, I think the more reasonable solution is that you still are here, but you help him become more independent. So your relationship with him becomes less dependent, not you have to leave him. And that's the only way he becomes more independent. So there, there is that option of you staying and still creating more independence for him. And I think to me, that would be the better solution because of you're saying he's dealing with OCD. And sometimes we don't see actual OCD show up until the teenage years. So maybe now that's why it's showing itself more, but he's on therapy and medication. Um, it, it does seem like leaving him, I don't know if that's a good choice. I understand it's hard because you, you don't want to sacrifice yourself either. I'm not in agreement with that, but we can't abandon him and say that it's because we want him to be independent. So it's tough, but I guess I don't know what the solution is going to be. But if he wants to be here, uh, if you can create a life for yourself here, that could work. Or maybe just for some time, because there could be a point where he will be okay. But I think right now, the way you describe the situation, it doesn't seem like he'd be okay on his own. And so for me, leaving would just create or contribute more to his anxiety rather than to say it's going to give him independence. And like um, one more question, like he he's very very disorganized. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he wasn't like that, but he's getting worse and worse. Like his room, he he never organized his notes, his books. I mean, his clothes. Um, what should be my reaction? Like, um, I mean, I tried to help him clean his room many times to make him learn, but that, it didn't work. I mean, fight doesn't work. So what should be my reaction? Like, because I know he needs some discipline to mm -hmm. help him um, reduce his anxiety. I know that helps, and I, sure. I keep telling him that. Uh, but it doesn't work. Well, yeah, or it hasn't worked yet. And um, you're not going to, by fighting, it's not going to work either. But it will be working with him and giving him more responsibility for things in his own life. And so this is what I meant by you can stay, but uh, try to foster more independence in him. So it's not like you have to leave to do that, but you have to make boundaries with him that he might not like initially, but come up with him. Don't say from now on, you have to do this from now on, you have to do that. You can say, I want you to have more responsibilities in your own life, just for yourself and even for me so that things work out better. So let's say around the house, what are some things that you can do and then have a conversation with them where you then create uh, a new dynamic where you're not just going to come in and save him 
or do all those things for him, but that you're going to give him that responsibility and you have to stick to it. So if you say, okay, from now on you clean your room, even if his room is a mess, you don't go in there and clean it up for him. You let it stay a mess and you don't, that's what a lot of parents do. They say, okay, I'm going to give them something to do, but then when it doesn't get taken care of, they have their own anxiety and they go take care of it themselves. And so we don't teach them that they have to take care of it. So I think what would be good is that maybe eventually you can go back if really you see your life being in Iran, but I would want you to help him first gain that independence with you here, which I know can sound counterintuitive that you have to be here, but he has to, it's going to be, we don't want to just abandon him and say, figure it out. That could work, but based on his OCD and my concern that if you left, it would be triggered even more and his OCD would become worse, I think it's better for you to stay here and help him develop himself a little bit, give him more responsibility, and then see if he can take that on and then eventually maybe gets to the point where he will be living more his own life and taking care of himself and it will make sense for you to leave if you still want to do so. Thank you so much. Sure, thanks for I calling. Good luck. Okay, nice talking to you. Take care. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delokwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. Hi, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I have lived in the United States for about 18 years. I have two kids. I'm married. Uh, we were able, my family, my husband was able to sponsor my parents to get their green card. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents, however, don't have the financial resources to travel every year to United States and basically keep their green card. Mm-hmm. But they're extremely eager to keep it um, because, I don't know, for a variety of reasons, they hope maybe they can help other family members. I don't know. They have their own reasoning. Um, so for a few years, I had to keep a secret from my husband and well let me stop you there for a second the had to keep a secret part i don't know if you had to we'll get to it but it's possible that you didn't have to but you chose to keep this secret because you were afraid to talk to your husband about it and 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 really you know so i just want to make sure that part's clear but yes go ahead correct yes um because of the pressure i chose that sure it's the first time that i ever lied to my husband if he finds out, it will be, it will be terrible. Um, and so, just so I'm clear, what you lied to him about is that you didn't tell him you were paying for their travels. Yes, okay. I paid for the tickets, and he doesn't know. Okay. I consulted other, you know, counselors, and um, they basically advised me because I'm contributing to this life. It's okay. It was, it was my wish to bring them. And for them to see my home, my life here after all these years, I was very happy to do that. Well, yeah, and I I can agree with, uh, right, yeah, the right to bring them here and all that can be true, but um, doesn't mean you don't tell your husband about it. If it's your right, then your husband should also agree with that and and see that yeah. as well. So I, I would disagree with that part that 
you had the right to lie about it. I think you had the right to say it makes sense. And I don't know about your family's financial situation and how much, and I wouldn't say how much you contribute. You guys are, if you and your husband, I hope you guys share all their financial resources together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's something that, again, I wouldn't agree with the fact that, well, because yes, it's your parents, they should be able to come. Sure, we can accept that. If, if you want to accept that, you can, but then your husband should be involved in that conversation my husband well. verbally consented to that basically he said you can do whatever the hell you want okay so so then what's so the, where's the lie so because because he has stresses about that and if something happens later on he just goes back to this ticket thing and okay he so he knows about it now that. he knows about no, it now i never told him i said you know what forget about it my parents paid for the tickets for a couple of years they came no problem for other years, for five, the rest of the years, maybe two, three times after that, they really couldn't afford. And I didn't bring up the conversation again with my husband. I said, okay, he kind of, his heart is not happy, okay, but he kind of kind of gave up. And my heart is not happy to lie and to go through all these maneuvers to hide what I am doing. Again, every time... So let me stop you. Let me stop you just for a second, because I'm still not clear of the situation. What does your husband know? He knows my heart. I want to help my parents, and because we talked to a counselor, he was, in theory, convinced that okay, I I do have the right to spend that money if I have to. But his heart is never happy about it. Okay, but then he doesn't know that you actually did spend the money. No, he doesn't. Okay, it's a little bit confusing, but okay. So, right. and and okay. So, what the lying is that you've basically withheld from him that you paid for some of it, even though at some level, he consented indirectly Correct. that you can. Okay, it's a little bit complicated, um, and very much again, Iranians were very good at avoiding conversations even if we have the conversation we avoid some of the more important parts of it but okay so how much just to get an idea about how much have you spent on these tickets over the years uh, under five thousand dollars okay and financially for your family how significant is that money they they really can't spend that much money no, no i'm saying you, your your family you and your husband for my family it's nothing we can afford it. Okay, so then um, why, why don't you tell your husband about it? First, I'm embarrassed. Okay. Uh, because my parents, to me, I feel like they are being unreasonable. They are not, they have no intention of living here. So I don't understand why they are so eager to come every single year, even though we go and see them. If they tell me, you know, for whatever reason we choose not to, that's it. That's a beautiful answer I expect from them. But they're like, oh, we would love to come and whatnot. Okay, but you don't have the money. How come you're so interested in coming? So that's have you told? Have you said that to them? No. Okay. I feel so guilty. Sure. So this is where, you, you know, it, it's different than the uh, caller I had previously today, but similar in the sense that you wish that other people would make the hard choice for you or make it so you don't have to make a hard choice. But here you have this choice where you feel, like you feel like either you have to let your parents down or let your husband down. 
And at the end, you try to make everyone happy. And the solution you found to make everyone happy is to give your parents what they want, but don't tell your husband the bad part, the news that he doesn't like. And so in this way, you're trying to keep everyone happy, but instead you're just creating a lot of stress for yourself. Extremely, yeah. Yeah. And in either way, you're not willing to face the stress with either one of them, either telling your parents, you know what, I don't think it makes sense for you guys to come if you can't afford it, or telling your husband, this is something I want to do. Although what you just expressed was that you don't really want to do it yourself that much. Um, but um, Because of the stress. If this was happy, he was on board with it, yes, I, I send them $3,000. That and just like make them happy. That's about it. You're right. I don't think it's reasonable for them, but at the same time, if they if they don't come, they will never be able to come back. It will be difficult to come back because you know the political situation. Mm-hmm. It's not that they they can go apply for a visitor visa and come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult to get the green card, you know, at the first place. If they don't come, goodbye. Yeah. That's it. Right. But I think where things to me broke down is that you and your husband, you didn't continue these conversations with him to say, let's talk about this. Let me tell you what, Mm -hmm. you know, because to me, it would have been really good if you could even shared what you're going through with your husband, that here's the the dilemma I'm in. My parents want to come and it seems like even you're trying to protect your parents' image to your husband, right? So you don't want them to... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they want to, you think it's unreasonable that they want to come without being able to afford it. So you're like, okay, I also want to protect them from my husband, what they think of him, and maybe even how that reflects on me, or I don't know what else. Absolutely. But you're trying to, you know, protect and make everyone happy. And and no one's really going to be happy. And especially you are not going to be happy and, and get stressed. Correct. So mm-hmm. to me, it, it might be the best, although at this point, maybe you feel you don't want to talk to your husband about it. But I would rather you and your husband, that's your primary relationship and responsibility is to him and to be open with him. And when we look at trust, sometimes people, they think trust only comes down to infidelity. Of course, that's a big part of it. But trust is also about being honest and open with our partners. And we build trust or we can damage the trust by all the choices that we make. And I I think if you can talk to him about it, it would be good he's not going to like the conversation you're not going to like to initiate the conversation but i think to me that seems like the best solution that you and him have to talk the money you're saying seems like it's not a big issue that's good but of course yes you did lie to him or hide it from him although it does seem like it's not just like you completely lied to him because he kind of said okay do whatever you want and you just didn't disclose the information which i think would have been better had you have done that but I think you have to accept that, okay, I don't like what my parents are doing either. And my husband can be on board with me. I'd rather you and him be together rather than what you're doing is you're really isolating yourself from everyone. But but he tells me that I am weak. I cannot be decisive. You know, his parents did the same thing after a couple of years. They decided that this is, you know, they're not going to live here. Why should they come? That's about it. His parents and decided he, that. His parents did that. Okay, yeah. and, and your mean, parents, I mean, that was easier hard. for him, but that was easier mm-hmm. for him, you know. Again, you wish your parents did the same thing, but your parents have made it so that you have to make this decision. And so you're saying your husband says you're weak, so you don't want to, like, confirm that by telling him you did Correct. this? That's, okay. Yes, that's what he tells me, and I know there's no, there's absolutely no point in rehashing the issue again. We went through it a lot, and I know his position. And he's like, you know what? Do what you want to do. You have two kids. We have 
to think about their future. Um, maybe they, they 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 have to pay for their their own adventures, something like that. And I I kind of agree with that. Um, yeah, but you didn't act on your your actions didn't agree with that. I think as much as you might not like your husband and look in a healthy relationship, we shouldn't be focused on see I told you so or you're proving again that I'm right that you're weak or you're this. That's not that's not a response I hope he gives you because that's not what we're trying to do is figure out who's right or wrong or who's better or worse or judge each other. The openness we need to have. Uh, and I'm not going to definitely let you off the hook for lying. Absolutely not. But mm-hmm. he it seems like he hasn't made it easy for you to be as open with him either, which is not good. So I don't blame him for no. your lying, but I do want him mm-hmm. to recognize his contribution that it's it goes both ways as far as being open. You have to give people that space to be open. Um yeah. I would hope you face that with him and, you you know, talk with him about these issues, even say this is not why I lied or I'm justified for lying, but this is what made it hard for me to be open with you. But I would much rather you guys have an openness than this continuing is not going to help. And look at how much you're just suffering maybe every day about this inside yourself. It, uh-huh. It's not good. I, I would really hope that you can find a way to talk to him about it. Um, rather than trying to solve it without him knowing. I don't see any solution without you telling him. What about uh, my responsibility towards my parents? Am I reasonable to feel that I'm responsible to help them or they are being unreasonable? Well, I think for them to just expect that no matter what, you're going to pay for their flight, it could be, you know, their travels, could they be unreasonable. They say that, though. They okay. don't say that. Of course, the Iranian Tarof is always <laughs> yes, there, but I sure. know they always love to come. Okay. Uh, but I think this is why if, you know, you were saying the money doesn't seem to be an issue for your family, for you and your husband. That's why I think if you and your husband actually talk about it, you guys can come to some place where you feel better about it than you trying to figure this out on your own. I don't think it's definitely unreasonable. And I don't think it's definitely reasonable for them. I don't think you definitely have to pay for their flight. No, I definitely would not say that. I don't know about your financial situation. If for you, it's not a big deal and your husband doesn't mind. And also when they come, it also depends on how much it's interfering with your life. I know, again, a Persian thing is that if you can see family, you have to see them and for as long as you can see them. But if they come for six months and they want to stay with no, you for six they months... No, stay at three weeks maximum okay. and then they leave. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so even, you know, but that to me is important too. I think we, we sometimes undermine the impact that has on mm-hmm. the family too. But I think I would much rather you make these decisions with your husband involved okay. than to try mm-hmm. to, to figure it out. I think you're up, you're mad at your parents clearly for asking you're, and you almost want me to tell yeah. you you're right. They shouldn't ask you um, mm-hmm. or, you know, and put that pressure. And, and this, again, goes back to why Persian families, we suffer so much because everything, like you said, Tarof, we don't clearly communicate about things. Mm-hmm. So no one really knows what you actually want. No one expresses what they like and they don't like. And everyone just tries to kind of deal with it on their own and builds up these resentments and these issues. If yeah. if things were much more in the open, if you felt comfortable to express how you felt to your parents and also to your husband, you wouldn't be dealing with what you're dealing with now. And so mm-hmm. I hope you can face the the backlash you might face because of the cultural issues at play and just have the open communication first to your husband. I think that's the most important place mm-hmm. and that will take a lot of the burden. And if he does attack you and say, this is, you see, you're this way, you're that way, whatever you, you know, you guys have to talk more about that. And I think 
going to couples therapy can be helpful to work through some of these issues too um, because you're not you're not happy with this feeling that you can't be open with him or you've chosen not to be open with him um, mm -hmm. and you guys need to work on that so I, I hope you'll not avoid it and it's kind of been a theme of some of the calls today is avoidance and I think it's so common for most people we avoid uncomfortable things but definitely in the Persian culture we see it even more um, but we don't want to avoid the reality of what's going on and think that that's going to solve it. Avoidance really never works. It doesn't help the situation. It just creates bigger problems and lies that we then have to deal with, which is where that's you find right. yourself. And I'm not claiming I, I am in a healthy or perfect relationship with my husband. We have other issues I'm too, sure. clearly. Well, uh -huh. um, but, okay, we went through this conversation and, the con and you know, if he disagrees and I... I if I hear you correctly, it's my responsibility to accept that. Not necessarily. I mean, you know, you guys have a conversation. You guys talk about it. I'm not saying you talk to him. It means he has to 100% agree with you. But this is that's the thing. We have to deal with disagreements, compromise. This is That's part of a relationship is that I'm not saying you talk to him. He has to listen to you. He might say, you know what? I think we shouldn't spend one cent on them, let's just say. And then you that's and him. That's exactly what he says because we extensively we talk about it. And I really don't want to stress him or myself yet again. I know his final answer. His heart is not there. That's for okay. sure. But and he might. I, I mean, that's why I couldn't. Couldn't. Uh, I, I had to lie like that. Well, I mean, but that's that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't say you had to lie. You can say, I still feel like you know the the conversation might have to continue if he's not willing to budge one inch. I mean, that can be an issue. But I think you have to be able to talk to him and have that conversation. It doesn't just end if he's saying no matter what. I'm saying this is it. We can't spend anything on them. I can see how that doesn't feel fair to you, and you can express that to him if you feel like that's not fair. The problem is you're not so clear either. You're even saying, I don't know if I want to pay for my parents to come. So you're not so 100% on uh, either way either. I think you're not clear as to what you think is right, and you're just, again, trying to make everyone else happy but not really think about what you want. So first you have to get clarity on what you want. You can say, you know what, I don't actually think it's right to pay, pay for my parents. But genuinely, if that's coming from you, it's different than because my husband said so. Or maybe you think, you know what, I really do want to pay for them to come once a year for three weeks, and I want to talk to my husband about that, and he might not like it, and that can be okay. I'm not saying you do it without him uh, knowing, but you talk to him and he still might not like it, but he might agree to it even if he doesn't like it. That can happen. Agreement doesn't mean everyone is thrilled with the result. Sometimes there's parts where there's things in life where no one's going to be completely happy about it. That can happen, right. you know. So I and would just hope you talk to him. So far, up to yeah. this year, that's exactly how it has been. He kind of agreed. He's not happy about it. I was happy to do it. Right now, I have like mixed feelings myself because yeah. this is like it's happening again and again. Yeah, and I think your mixed feelings are also because. It's one paying for it, and maybe it's just that, but it could also be because it's creating this conflict within you and within your marriage that you don't yeah. like. And you, you feel like, my parents are, why are they putting this pressure? It seems less about the actual financial pressure it puts, but more about this marital pressure, this issue it's creating Absolutely. that you're not happy about. I, I, to me, there's more good in you talking to your husband about it than not. So okay. I would encourage you to have those conversations. And yeah, I'm sure every couple has issues. So maybe this has to do with other issues you guys have, and then you'll face those all together. But, you know, to avoid it, it's not. It's only going to get bigger. It's not going to get better. Okay, thank you so sure, much. Sure, thanks for calling. I Take care. That, My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye.
All right, going into our last commercial break, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dolakwi. We'll be right back. back for this last segment I actually wanted to you know mention or talk about something that came up in a few of the calls today that I just talked about with the last caller which is that what most of us do when we're faced with uncomfortable situations uncomfortable decisions that we have to make or when we're faced with possibly having an uncomfortable conversation we avoid avoidance is a very common if you want to call it defense mechanism or a way of just approaching life that many of us use. And in the Iranian culture, we use it even more because we do have so many things in our culture about communication that you don't tell the truth, that you tar off, that you offer things you don't really want to offer, that you refuse things that you actually maybe want, that if you're upset, you don't share with other people because that's a burden. You tell everyone you're okay all the time. And also that you have to say you're okay because if you're not, then it makes you look bad. It makes your family look bad. And so we have so much that unfortunately contributes to avoidance, to not facing things, to not uh, making a decision that might hurt someone or lead to discomfort. And that's why a few weeks ago when I, I talked about the book, Difficult Conversations, I really did like that book a lot and I highly recommend that book because it was talking about how in that book wasn't obviously directed to any particular culture, it was to all people, that we tend to avoid difficult conversations because they are plainly difficult, they are uncomfortable, and we'd rather not have them. But unfortunately what happens is that when we avoid an uncomfortable conversation, a difficult conversation, whatever the issue is, whatever we're dealing with, it doesn't disappear. It becomes worse. Things don't get better. The problem just gets bigger. And we have to recognize the importance of facing this discomfort. I've always talked about this when it comes to any romantic relationship. You have to be willing to tolerate having uncomfortable conversations often, regularly. They're going to have to come up. And an uncomfortable conversation is anyone that makes you feel a little bit squeamish, uncomfortable, that is not pleasant. And basically, by definition, that means that having any other conversation or avoiding that conversation is going to feel better than actually facing it. And that's what I mentioned with some of the callers today, that you have to be ready that it's never going to feel right to have that conversation. It's never going to feel good to have that conversation. You're never going to be like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. That tells us it's not a difficult conversation. It's a pleasant one. Anytime it's an uncomfortable conversation, whether it's about breaking up, whether it's about being unhappy in a relationship or about unhappy that someone is doing something, you're almost always going to want to avoid it. And we keep putting it off. And as humans, we're so good at coming up with reasons to do whatever it is we want to do. If you want to avoid a conversation, you can find a reason why you shouldn't have it. Oh, you know what? 
she had such a bad day, so today's not a good time. Oh, she had such a good day, it's not a good time. Or, oh, it's her birthday in two weeks, it's, you know, you shouldn't have it now. Or it's his anniversary of this, or whatever it might be. We'll always find a reason to keep prolonging it, because we want to avoid that uncomfortable conversation. We want to avoid facing the reality of what's going on. But we have to fight against that. We have to push against that and actually face and embrace the discomfort because that's the only way we can resolve things and make things better. Very often what people experience in relationships is they're upset about something for a long period of time and they build resentment about that issue and the whole time they're blaming the other person for what's going on. So let's say their partner continually does something like show up late or talk in a certain way that they don't like to them. And the person thinks I'm being such a good husband or wife by not bringing it up. I'm choosing my battles as so to speak, or I'm going to handle this on my own and not make it a big deal for the betterment of our relationship. But what happens is because we actually don't like it, we get more and more frustrated and upset and the resentment builds until one day we blow up and we say, I can't believe you've been doing this for so long. You can't Imagine what it's been like having to handle this for so long, and I can't believe you never changed. And when we say that, we think the blame is 100% on that other person. They've been doing this thing I don't like. They've done it now 536 times, and they're to blame for doing it every single time. And maybe what they're doing is wrong and wasn't good, but you have to take responsibility for the fact that you've avoided bringing this up. You haven't even let the person know you don't like it any of the times. So how are they to know that you didn't like it or that they were doing something that you felt was wrong? And in that book, Difficult Conversations, they mentioned that it's always important to look at each person's contribution to a situation or a conflict. And very often we have a hard time seeing our own contribution. And they use that word contribution rather than blame, because as they say, blame is more about judgment and about looking at the past. And contribution is more about looking at responsibility and looking to the future. But we have to look at what is my contribution to this situation. So in those instances, when I've not told someone that they've done something repeatedly that I don't like, my big contribution, one of the biggest parts, is that I haven't brought up the issue. I've chosen to avoid the uncomfortable conversation, the confrontation, whatever it might be, and that's allowed for this situation to continue. So for me to just blow up and say it's 100% your fault, I'm missing where my avoidance has contributed to this problem. Your partner or your boss or your coworker, they're not a mind reader. They might not know that you don't like what they're doing. Without you telling them, you have to still take responsibility that you know what? It was up to me to let you know I didn't like this. It was up to me to communicate and to have that uncomfortable conversation with you to let you know I didn't feel okay about this or that it hurt my feelings or it was bothering me in this way. So we have to realize that situations don't get better without us facing them, without facing the reality. And the callers today, a theme that we saw was in almost all of the situations, there was some avoidance of that uncomfortable conversation that just kept leading to bigger and worse problems and dilemmas that they were then facing. And of course, one of the things I like about a show like this is that we hear other people's problems, and in some ways they might seem very distant and removed from anything we 
have gone through or anything we are going through currently, but we probably can see themes that relate to us. Because every one of you listening right now and me and everyone in this building that I'm in right now is probably avoiding some conversation that they probably should have or it would be good for them to have or avoiding some situation that it would be good for them to face the reality and better for them to face the reality. So it can be very easy to look at someone else and say, oh, how come they didn't face it? How come they avoided it? But almost all of us use avoidance at some time or in some way in our relationships or even in our own lives. And so it's important that when we hear people share their stories, it could be easy for us to think we can judge them and say, oh, if I was in that situation, I would do this or I wouldn't do what they did. But it's very important for us to look at that and look back at our own lives and say, where are the parts in my life that I'm avoiding responsibility, that I'm avoiding conflict or confrontation in order to stay comfortable, but I'm staying comfortable, but unhappy in some way. And I know there's a problem, I'm not facing it. So in some way I'm contributing to that problem, continuing and even to that problem growing. It's up to us to take that responsibility. And as Iranians, I hope we can move forward in recognizing that avoidance does not work that avoidance is not the way to go. We're not supposed to avoid pain, avoid uh, uncomfortable conversations, avoid facing the reality of things when they happen, whether it's death or divorce or health issues or whatever it might be, we have to face what's going on. We're not doing any favors by avoiding things, by having our kids avoid feeling any pain in the moment just to make them feel comfortable. We have to face the reality of things, have those uncomfortable conversations and see that that's the only way to maintain good relationships and to maintain things and to avoid problems before they get bigger or become worse. So I'm very grateful always to the callers for sharing their stories and sharing the dilemmas that they are in, because even if we're not going exactly through what they're going through, we've probably experienced something in some way that can relate. And today a big theme was avoidance and how we can avoid facing what's going on and avoid having those difficult conversations. But we can't do that. We have to face them head on. That's the only way we can make things better. All right, about to wrap up the show for today. Wanted to announce the book of the week again. It is The Science of Couples and Family Therapy by John Gottman and Julie Schwartz Gottman. The Science of Couples and Family Therapy Behind the Scenes at the Love Lab. All right, we've reached the end of today's show. Thank you to all the callers and the listeners and to Rahman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. Have a wonderful day. 